So we're reading from the final chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking with Rai Ramananda and Sarup Damodar. And the whole we love Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as we've explained before, in one sense, is for the purpose of teaching us, through his own example, God appearing as a devotee, Krishna appearing as Gaur, how to enter into the uh, sacred aesthetic rapture that he himself came to taste. And so here we are at the final uh, stages of the the last chapter of the narrative of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Kaviraj Goswami's Chaitanya Charitamrita is the, you say the latest or the earliest, the latest description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life and philosophy. Other authors came before him, so he had the, that as a resource. He wrote it under the auspices of the Vrindavan Goswamis. And so he very nicely done, Chaitanya Charitamrita. Very uh, interesting in its organization and very sophisticated and precise in many respects and very sweet and deep at the same time. And here we see um, a nice example of that, as I say, the whole Leela has now been discussed. We're at the end of the Leela, and Mahabharu begins to speak the Shikshastakam, which reveals the way to enter into the Leela of Radha and Krishna, which his life is about. So in effect, through instructions, he's speaking to us about what his life is about after his whole life has been uh, explained through the pen of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. And again, Shikshastakam, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur has um, explained, reveals the Leela of Radha and Krishna because it reveals the method of worship by which that uh, sacred experience can be 
accessed by the sadhaka. And that may be uh, somewhat of a novel explanation of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. There are, I mean to say, there are likely other commentaries on Shikshastakam over the years in different lineages and so forth, all of which I personally am not familiar with. We come in the line of Bhaktivinoda Thakur through Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and his followers. So we're following the lead of that. And in that context, we're getting some inspiration to clarify some things and explain some things with new light. We've gone through the first verse. We've gone through the second verse of Shikshastakam. First verse, Mahaprabhu has spoken in such a way as to create faith in Namsan Kirtan by speaking about its efficacy in progressive stages in a cryptic way. And in the balance of these eight slokas, then in some greater detail he addresses those stages of development, wonderful stages of development that result from Namsan Kirtan. And faith, of course, is our entry level into the Nam Dharma, Adho Shraddha. Rupa Goswami says, beginning with faith. And we discussed at some length what is faith and how faith is synonymous with surrender, Sharanagati. How the faith in Nam that Mahabharu was speaking about when he says, Parambijayate, Sri Krishna Sankirtanam, is synonymous with Krishna's statement in the Gita, Sarvadharman Prityacha, Mamikam Sharanam Braja. Have exclusive devotion to me alone, no other god, no other goddess. Take to this path of glorifying me and no other path. This, if we have this sense, that simply by worshipping Krishna, simply by chanting Krishna Nam, my life can become perfect, then we, we have come a long distance. We sometimes wonder about our progress, whether we're making any. One of my godbrothers once asked Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj about this. Guru Maharaj said, I don't feel I'm making any progress. He was shocked to hear that. You don't think you're making any progress, he said. Jalaja Navalakshani Stavarlakshavimshati. He quoted from the Padma Purana. You've been an aquatic. You've been a tree. You've been a reptile, an insect. You've been a bird, a beast. Now you have a human life. You don't think you're making any progress. And in the human life, you, you, you've, you've met a Sadguru, a real guru. And you don't think you're making any progress? So far you have gone. One of my godbrothers, Vishnu John Swami, famous disciple of Srila Prabhupada, he used to say, the distance we have gone thus far in our material sojourn to have met our guru is far greater than the distance we have to go from here to the finish. <laughs> nice statement. He had a great love for Prabhupada. Guru Bhakti. So to have come to the point that faith is awakened, there, 
we haven't discussed it, but it may be worth mentioning that there's something in the background of this faith. Pujapat Sridhar Marsh once described it like, in the way that Mahaprabhu has explained the devotional creeper to be a creeper, a vine. A vine holds on to something else and goes up. So, holding on to the Vaishnavas uh, with proper watering of hearing and chanting, so the vine will go up. And that sprout of the vine above the ground, where it shows itself, that is Shraddha. Oh, it started. But something happens before that also. Something is going down. Some roots are going down. And uh, some activity beneath the ground before it shows its bright face above ground. Well, that we call Agyata Sukriti, Gyata Sukriti, of the nature of Bhakti. Sukriti or merit in connection with bhakti. This creates uh, invisibly our good fortune. And at some point then, what they say, we come up, show a bright face above the ground, uh, Krishna, I believe this, I have faith in this, I have a sense of healing just by doing this, chanting Krishna Nam, my life will be successful. No, I don't have to worship anybody else, I don't have to pursue any other path, this is what Krishna speaks about in the Gita. Often it's thought to be the high point of the Gita, and in a sense it is, because the Gita talks about many things. There are other high points, all besides bhakti. But this statement gets a lot of uh, mileage. People quote it quite often, Sarvadhanam Pratyajya. But what he's really saying here, this is the life of spiritual practice, this exclusive devotion to Krishna, surrender to Krishna. This is faith. Faith and Sharanagati the same. So all these developmental stages of bhakti are development of faith, development of Sharanagati, of disposition of uh, surrender. So, again, in the first verse, Mahabhu has sought to awaken faith in chanting by glorifying it and saying, Parambijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtanam. One should do uh, Sankirtan exclusively. No other type of worship. Shri Krishna Sankirtan, the worship of Radha and Krishna. Shri Krishna Sankirtanam. A a kind of glorification, Kirtanam, of Radha and Krishna that is is some, uh, means complete, uh, and comprehensive, qualitatively, and quantitatively, by which engaging in, others are automatically involved, quantitatively, by which engaging in, Radha and Krishna become most satisfied, most pleased, so qualitatively as well. And while Mahaprabhu is glorifying the holy name like this, he comes to the second verse, he extends the glorification of the holy name, and speaks... How about how merciful is Krishna that he comes in so many names? So many, there may be different sentiments for worshipping Krishna. And in time, our Sankirtan of Krishna Nam will take the shape of certain names that are relative to um, 
Krishna's relationship with different devotees, a relationship that we ourselves have come to cherish in our hearts. As we talked about when Mahaprabhu says, Nam Nama Kari Bahuda, Nija Sarva Shaktis. He said the Lord has many names, although there are secondary names of God and primary names. He's speaking about primary names because he says Nija Sarva Shakti. These names are full of his Shakti. Their names, that means to say, where the Lord is described in relation to his devotees, like Jashodanandan, these kind of names. The devotee is the Shakti. The interaction between the, uh, the, the power and the, uh, the powerful and the power. So these names describe the Lord. For example, Yashodananda, the son of Yashoda. Some devotees will be attracted to such names. Radhanath. Krishna is described in relation to different devotees. Means he's described in terms of different sentiments. Rasa. The devotee in time will become attracted to a particular sentiment for worshipping the Lord. This is later on in the Bhajanath method given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Shikshastakam. And then particular names will be of interest to the sadhaka. In Briyat Bhagavatamrita we find Gopakumar who uh, traveled a whole uh, length and breadth of religious experience, spiritual experience, went all the way through his sadhana to uh, Dwarka. And there he was sent by Narada and Uddhava back to uh, earth in Vrindavan to complete his bhajan, to enter into Goloka and the Aprakat, the unmanifest leela of the Lord, as a gopa. He had the sentiment of a gopa, a dear friend of Krishna. So how did he get there? He did Namsan Kirtan, it's described, of the names of the Lord that were particularly dear to him. So that's relative to his sentiment. He chanted those names and meditated upon the Lord's pastimes that were relative to that sentiment. So Mahaprabhu says, Nam Namakari Bahudani Jasarva Shakti. You have many names, it means... That's very nice because there are different types of sentiments. And you have different names and different appearances that correspond with those sentiments. He says himself in the Gita, Yejatamam Prapadyante Tamstataiba Bhajamiyam. As the devotees approach me in a particular sentiment, I respond accordingly. It means there's great freedom in these names, great possibility. You can do your own thing, as they say in, as they say in California. Do your own thing. The very thing that we're told, oh, you don't, don't, don't do your own thing. You have to follow like this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But actually Krishna consciousness says, do your own thing. But also says, but, but know who you are. Know what you are. And then fly as high in the sky of your spiritual prospect as you like. You are not the body. That you're not. You're not the I, as we've been discussing, that's based on my. Our present sense of I is based on our desires. Our desires make up our identity. 
we are attached to certain objects of the senses. These are our attachments. We have desires in relation to them. And this forms our sense of existence and identity. See how fragile it is. And how the identity is undergoing changes as attachments change, desires change, and so forth. Can't get your feet on the ground uh, with an identity based on such desires. So the I that we have is relative to our sense of mine. What is mine? And what is mine? Nothing. This is the reality. Nothing is mine. So the more, the more we give up the sense of mine, the more the, the false I that we have that is based on that starts to dissolve. And this dissolving, uh, is, is really like the dissolving of the film on the mirror, which says, Cheto Darpa Namarjanam. Second verse is emphasizing this a little bit more. It brings us to the point, as we discussed this morning, that there's some clutter in our lives, and it's us. <laughs> it's the sense of, our false sense of what we are. It's a real clutter. If you look at a mirror, it has dust on it. What will you see? The heart has been compared to a mirror in the first verse. In the second verse, that idea, that cryptic idea is being played out to some extent. If you take the dust off the mirror and you look, what will you see? You'll see yourself, who you are. This is the first stage of the chanting. Well, actually, excuse me, after faith and sadhusanga, which is implied by the very name Sankirtan, which is a collective, as, as I mentioned, then uh, uh, the practices, bhajana, kriya, devotional practices, that will clean the heart, and as is implied here in the second verse, as that heart becomes clean through the cultivation of Krishna Nam, then our real sense of identity starts to come come out. You see what we're not. That's the first thing. We're not this uh, sense of identity that can never be. Um, cannot endure. We're not that. We want enduring happiness, common sense then. We cannot get it in relation to things that don't endure. So, think about what you want. We all have this. All humans, all, all living beings have the same thing in common. We want happiness. We want joy. Will we get it in relation to things that don't endure? The fact of the matter is, no, what does Krishna say about those things in the Gita, actually? These are, he calls them like wombs that give birth to misery, sense objects. It's very scientific to dissect the world in this way and see what's really going on. As disconcerting as it sounds at first, if we look at it carefully and listen carefully, we find, oh, such hope. This kind of talk is, of course, it shouldn't be difficult for Scandinavians to stomach. You all can deal with depression and things. <laughs> it's a little depressing to think, oh, this is what it's really all about. Life is really all about death. Think about it. That's what really matters. Life is really all about death. That's what's happening. Martyrologam. 
everything dying. So this is often thought at a glance to be a bit of a morbid uh, perspective on life. But if we look in a, in a pessimistic outlook, but if we look deep within that, within the pessimism, apparent pessimism, there's great optimism there to be found. Great hope to have understood that problem, that life is about death. How much have you understood about life, practically everything about this life? That means you can graduate now, go on to something more important. That life is so optimistic, as I say. There you can fly as high as you like. The sky is unlimited. The sky is unlimited. We cannot even think how far it is. And we are like a bird. <laughs> so, so much room to move there. That plane is so spacious. I discussed the other day. Physical plane, mental plane, intellectual plane, in the high, material hierarchy, becoming more and more spacious as we move up the ladder. And then we touch the soul. And what space was there, physical, the physical plane, in the mental plane, in the intellectual plane, becomes, we cannot, we cannot measure it against the plane of the soul. We went from, some, in Upanishads it's mentioned, the happiness of this world is such and such, and the happiness of heaven is a hundredfold more, and the happiness of the Tapalok, Maharlok, a hundredfold, hundredfold more, Brahmalok, a hundredfold more, and Brahman, unlimited, unlimited. Does it touch the soul? What, 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 uh, how accommodating that is, how spacious, spacious and accommodating as we move in Brahman, in that, in that realm of consciousness, Vaikuntha, becomes affectionate. This way, accommodating. Not just room, a lot of room, but affection, loving people. And Goloka, all affection. And it looks small. <laughs> Goloka looks small. This is its nature. In comparison to Vaikuntha and Brahman, it looks small. Krishna is medium size. Not in... <laughs> Not, uh, <laughs> it's described like this by Brahma, medium size. <laughs> the whole of the Brajlila looks small. It, it looks finite, in other words. But it's so friendly, so affectionate. In this way, it's accommodating. As I said the other day, even if you have a small place, what you with, what does it say on my sheet? In my room? Yes. <laughs> Happiness is to be part of the gang. <laughs> to be accepted in a group hmm? affectionately. Yeah, this is, gives so much room. Golok is like this. Hmm? We can go that high, and within that, as high as we like. So you can do your own thing. You can do what you like, Krishna says. Approach me in any way you like. But you should know what you are first. You're not matter, you're spirit. The possibilities then change dramatically. From the possibilities within matter to the possibilities in spirit. 
we sense in human life what are the possibilities of the spirit, of the soul, of consciousness. We sense it because that our self, our soul, is coming to the surface in human life more so than any other species of life. I've said before, that's why, as humans, we attempt things that other species of life do, like flying in the sky. Birds fly in the sky, so some human thinks, why can't we fly high in the sky or to go to the bottom of the ocean, to climb the highest peak and, and so forth? Why do we want to do all these things that seem to be the speciality of other species of life? Why are you going to climb on top of Mount Everest? There's some goats that live up there. Some, what do they call that fellow? Yeti. Yeah, the Yeti. <laughs> he lives there. Why should we want to go there? <laughs> hmm? Because we sense in human life that, that because the soul is coming to the surface, what the possibilities of the soul are in comparison to the limitations that the, that the material casing places upon it we sense that all things are possible. And it's true. This is the good news of the Vedanta. It's true. Om. Shiramaraj used to say, Om. This is the primordial sound, flute sound of Krishna. All the Vedic mantras are prefaced by this and probably followed by it as well. Om. He used to say it as an affirmation, a big yes. Yes. You can have it, whatever you want, all possibility. Prabhupada used to say what? I think he was quoting Napoleon. Impossible is a word in the fool's dictionary. Impossible does not, uh, that word is not in the vocabulary of, of Goloka. All possibilities. Of course, there are thousands of other statements from the, in the Vedas after that Om that all say, but. Yes, you can have it, but. You're going about it the wrong way. <laughs> you have to look from this vantage point. You're not the body of this world. So Mahaprabhu was saying, Namnamakari Bahudani Desarvashakis. You are so magnanimous, so kind, that you have many names. It means you have many forms in which you appear that are relative to the hearts of your devotees. They love you in a particular way. And when their love becomes unalloyed completely, selfless to the extreme, that it reaches the pitch of self-forgetfulness, then you actually put yourself in their hands. You become like their son, like their friend, like their lover. Mahabharata was thinking like this and speaking this verse, Oh, you are so extraordinarily kind. What are the virtues of your name? All of your power is there. And... And to chant your name, there's no rules except Hariyakti Vilas. <laughs> Thousands of rules. But as we said, any rule that might be there, if, if we understand the dispensation of Nam, that kindness, no difference between the name and the named. Nam and Nami. Nami? Nam, Nami. No difference. Only one difference. What is the difference? There's no difference. They're the same. The only difference is that Nam is more kind, more merciful. He's Krishna, but more merciful in the form of Krishna. 
Therefore, there are no rules. If we understand it, this properly, then we the, 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 the merciful dispensation of Nam, you can chant anywhere, anytime, any place. Then whatever rules there are, they don't they don't appear to be rules anymore. Oh, whatever will help me to take advantage of this, I, I want that. I embrace that. Come to assist me. If I latch on to the freedom, that the uh, independence that Krishna Nam affords so readily, then whatever will assist me in that, uh, I don't see that as restrictive, rather as facilitating. And what ones will we att- will we find uh, important? Those that help us to chant. If it said these will help you, but some rule at some point in your progress doesn't help, then don't follow that rule. One who knows how to make progress will think like this. What helps me to make progress, I will accept that. If it doesn't help me to make progress, it's a rule. It's a Vedic statement. It's a scriptural statement. I will not disrespect it. I pay pranam to that and won't talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to offend the nam by blaspheming the Veda, but whose progressive devotee will take the things that help him make progress. It's not a bunch of rules to keep you in a box. In fact, reproduce kind of electronic devotees who all act the same way. Actually, it's it's about, about diversity. So Mahaprabhu was speaking like this. He says, Namakari bahudani niyamita kala. No rules, just chant. So then, after said, having said all these things, Mahaprabhu crashes into a depression. He says, So kind is the name, so merciful, so broad, accommodating. Such its glories are so extraordinary. Yeah. Given just for faith, that's all. You have faith in it, take it. But why am I depressed, Mahaprabhu Singh? Durdaiva midishwami hajani nanuraga because I have no interest. I have no attraction. This is my plight. You see, it is a dilemma. It is a, it is a, it is a, the thesis is Krishna Nam is great, the antithesis is I have no attraction for it. Therefore, how great is it? I have no interest. So, for Mahabharata, this is a practical, uh, philosophical, uh, uh, well, experiential, uh, spiritual experience, because he actually has love for Krishna and Krishna Nam. He's very close to Krishna in his bhajan, so he feels how great Krishna really, he really feels these things he's saying about Krishna Nam. He knows them to be true. And therefore he's thinking, I'm nothing. I, I, I'm. It's so great. Even if I'm attracted by other people's standards, they don't understand how wonderful is Krishna, how irresistible he is. I have no love for him. Now in relation to ourselves, as sadhakas, of course, this means we actually have no attraction for the name because Dudaivam we have some misfortune 
And that misfortune is that we have other interests that we're caught up in, and a sense of identity based on those interests. So many anarthas, and we discussed about these different anarthas, and there are hundreds and thousands of them, but some basic ideas have been given by our charges, what they arise from, and so forth and so on. So there's a stage in our devotional culture that, 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 that is about um, becoming freed from, from these anarthas, principal anarthas. Principal anarthas are those that get in the way of us, of our bhajan, our practice being um, uninterrupted, for it being irregular, anishta, not fixed. We pick it up, we put it down, we don't have enthusiasm for it. This is our present condition for the most part, most devotees. So, how to come to the point of retiring most of these anarthas. What to do? This is the dilemma. Krishnanam is what Mahabharata has said. I have no attraction. What, what, what to do? There is only one uh, thing that we can do. And this is what Mahabharata gives next. This is the synthesis, if you will. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. synthesis. The thesis is Krishnanam is great. The antithesis is how great is it? I don't think it's great. I have no attraction. I have no attraction means I don't think it's great. I don't feel it's great, but I, I, I think that it is. With my intellect, I've been captured to think, this is probably pretty good. It sounds good. But I don't feel it. And everything, feeling is everything. So you may think it, but if you don't feel it, then is it really? This is our dilemma. But if we think enough, and we should, about these things, then we'll be convinced intellectually, yes, this is a great thing, this is a great opportunity. How great? Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami says, actually it's so great that if you had the opportunity and you didn't take it up, you would be better off not having lived at all. It's great. But I don't have attraction. What to do? Mahabharata will give the solution. We should be humble. After all, it's great, and I have no attraction. I'm a fool. The problem is with me. I should humble myself before the name. And this way, try to draw sympathy for my condition. Trinadopi sunichena toror opi sahishnuna. Big verse, of course. Of the verses of Shikshastakam, it's the smallest in words, but it looms very big for all of us. Interestingly enough, as much as it is the solution to the problem, it's a problem also. <laughs> it's been said that, oh... In Bengal, it's a famous saying. I heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, and I thought, yes, I must become a Gaudiya Vaishnav. There's no better idea out there to develop Krishna Prem, Radha Dasyam. Oh, yes, this is the greatest ideal. I want that. 
So I was sure, I was convinced I wanted to be a Gaudiya Vaishnava. But then I heard this verse of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you must become more humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree, give all respect to others, expect no honor for yourself. And then I thought, oh, well, it's impossible. <laughs> so as much as it, Mahaprabhu is offering it as a solution, just see just how... Um, fallen we are. We're thinking it's also it's also part of the problem. <laughs> yes. Uh, that means we have not heard enough though about Krishna Nam. Nam Satkirtan, it's virtuous. Not enough good association we're keeping. If we keep good association, hear about these things, we think this we have to do this. This is this is the best thing. I'd be cornered on every side. This is the best thing. But I have no attraction, so I still I must do it. Then this comes and is some relief to us. Okay, well, all I have to do is become humble. <laughs> humble myself. It becomes apparent. I have to do this. Yes. Such a great thing has come. If I am to be honest, then I have to become humble. The standard of humility for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, this characterizes them. The prime example of that is the author of this very book itself, Krishna Skabiraj Goswami, who has said that, oh, I'm lower than a worm in a stool. This is my position, he says. Anyone who hears my name loses his uh, piety. Anyone who chants my name is involved in impious acts. This is how he felt. He embodies this kind of humility. About this verse, Kaviraj Goswami has said, you should wear it around your neck like a garland while chanting the holy name. This verse, by applying the principles here, the ideas in this verse, fourfold they are, our bhajan will become nishta. From anishta, anishta, impeded as it is by, by the primary anarthas, by adopting these principles here, this frame of mind, our bhajan will become nishta. That means those primary nartas will be overcome. That's why we can say, taking some liberty, without at all offending the name and its power, that Baba Mahadavagani, which Mahaprabhu has mentioned in the first sloka, as the second effect of chanting, is synonymous with nishta. We don't want to offend Nam because the full ramifications of this statement, Baba Mahadavagini, means that by chanting Krishna Nam, one can be completely relieved from material existence. Mahadavagini means a great uh, conflagration, a great fire. Sangsara Dhavanala, Dhavanala, Sangsara Dhavanala Idalokal. The people, it's a painful, this thing, material existence. It's like a great fire, forest fire. I don't know if you have that here much. Forest fires do you have? But in California we have this time of year. It's sometime hundreds of firemen and uh, airships and everything but uh, trying to contain it, they just have to move away. Nothing can be done. It has its life. Agni wants to eat. It has a big appetite. No, no one can do anything. This is material existence. Only if some help from above comes, 
the firefighters, they pray for rain. Oh, if only it will rain. By God's intervention, the fire can stop. So it's a very appropriate example. Mahaprabhu said, Mahadavagani, the great fire of material existence can be overcome. It means by Krishna Nam, just the beginning of Krishna Nam, the abbas of Nam, the shadow of the Nam, can produce this effect, liberation. But, uh, so in Nishta, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily correspond with wholesale liberation. But the primary anarthas that are fueling material existence, lust, greed, rajas, tamas, it means, these, these influences of motive, passion, and ignorance, these can be retired by this disposition, Trinadapisanichena, and taking the name with this mentality. And so, if these modes of nature are conquered, then you are really free to pursue spiritual life. And from here, from there, Nishta, there are other stages. Ruchi, Ashakti, Bhava means really for liberation. Still some anartha may be there from offense. That is another thing, as I said this morning. There are sins of the soul and there are sins of the body. Sins of the body means karma. Vishwana Chakrabati Thakur has said, at Nishta, eradication of the anarthas arising from pious activities and impious activities, the realm of karma, are completely destroyed. Still, some trace elements in his conception may be there, even within complete, then, I don't know what goes, complete, comprehensive, absolutely comprehensive, something like that. Mm-hmm. But Bhagavatam says, Nasta praeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Bhagavati uttamashlokir bhaktir bhavati naishtiki. That uh, nishta, naishtiki, this stage is like this. Practically, the effects of material nature are retired. Some trace element may be there, but it doesn't affect my bhakti. Just like if you have a box of camphor. You know what camphor is, Mohan? Camphor plant? We use camphor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we also use it in worship. We light it. It flames up, makes a nice scent, offered to the deities, and also it's sometimes mixed with sandalwood paste, smeared on the body of the Lord. Anyway, it has a powerful smell, camphor. So if you have a box of camphor, and you take all the camphor out, and close the lid, when you open the lid, you will still smell camphor even though there's none there. So there's a trace element in this stage. But uh, of, of, of residue, just like um, prarabdha. Prarabdha means manifest karma. Jiva Goswami has explained that all the kleshas, all the problems, the difficulties in our life are arising from the kar- karmic implica- implication 
that, that originates in avidya, ignorance. And so there are different stages of this, uh, these troubles. Karma in, um, from unmanifest to manifest, going through states, kuta, bij, and so forth, so forth. And by devotional service, again, with regard to our sense that we may not be making any progress, we should reconsider because Jiva Goswami has said that we take Namsan Kirtan, Krishna Bhakti, what happens is that all of the um, klesha, all of the suffering that we would experience were our karma to be played out, that hasn't yet had a chance to manifest, that's unmanifest, karma that's in stock, it's like money in the bank. It's like it's like money that the, the your employer owes you. He hasn't written the check yet, but he owes you. That will be destroyed first. And gradually, the, the different stages of karma are eradicated, coming to the prarabdha, manifest karma. Your presence, what you're living out right now. In Gyan Marg, the Jivan Mukta, the liberated soul, is one whose all karma is eradicated except for the Prarabdha. So he's living, the Prarabdha is playing itself out, and he's really not much concerned with it. But it's playing itself out. When it's finished, liberated. He goes from Jivan Mukti to Videha Mukti, the final uh, Mukti. Jivan Mukti means to be liberated within the body, which is the parabdha. So, in, in devotee, Rupa Goswami says what? Jivan mukta sa uchate, karmana manasa gira, whose mind is fully engaged in Krishna's service, whose intelligence, his words, his body, his nishta. His body is engaged which means also his words, bodies made of senses, the primary senses, the sense of tasting and speaking, the movements of the tongue, jibadho. Our purification will begin with, with, with this, putting Krishna Nam on the tongue. Intelligence also must be engaged. This is the stage of nishta then. Not just the body, not just my words, but my intelligence. Therefore, Bhagavatam says, with regard to Nishta, what? Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. This is what the joint appearance of Gaur Nityananda bestow upon us in, the, in, in their effort to awaken love of God in our heart. They appear together, Pushpabanto. Kododai Pushpabanto. Like the sun and moon. And what do they do? They illumine before us the path in the form of two Bhagavatas, the book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam. By hearing regularly from the book Bhagavatam, and what is book Bhagavatam? What does Guru Prana say? I always forget the first line. Artoyam Brahmasutranam. Bhagavatam requires we pay attention. Arto Yam Brahma Sutranam. It's a commentary on the Brahma Sutra. What is the Brahma Sutra? Brahma Sutra is the Nyaya Shastra that shows the logic of the scriptures. 
the concordance of the scripture, how the scripture is all working together to make a conclusive uh, point, how this large body of sound, volume of sound, body of literature, that seems to be speaking about so many different things, is really all saying one thing. It's really all saying just one thing. So that's a great accomplishment of Vyas to demonstrate that through his sutras. Therefore, sometimes this is called the, the scripture of, of, of logic. It's the reasoning of, 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 of the scripture. So this uh, applies to intellect, using one's intellect. Understand, Siddhanta requires using the intellect, understanding the context of the verse, how it's applied here. Uh, Siddhanta doesn't just mean you pick out something from the Bhagavatam and quote it. And this is what this is Siddhanta. Hiranyakashipu is also speaking in the Bhagavatam. What does he say? So you have to understand the verse. What is what chapter it's in? What what uh, what comes before it in that chapter? What after that? What, uh, so many things. There are six or so things to put in place in order to arrive at Siddhanta. This requires applying one's intelligence, so that should also be given to Krishna. Of course, if we don't have, I don't have big intelligence for studying the scripture, what then? There are two kinds of Bhagavatas then. Find the Bhagavata, who embodies the Bhagavatam, and catch on to his dhoti, his uttariya, his cloth. Serve him, Guru Bhakti, he will be successful completely. You asked me this morning, what, uh, after Kushanga had asked about what you could think about while chanting, I gave a particular answer. And after the class, you asked me, is it all right to think about the guru while chanting? So, yes, that is, that is a good idea. That I, I used to do that. I still do that. <laughs> First, he will appear in, in the Sadaka Deha. And so charming to us. So you can we can attach ourselves in this way to a Bhagavata person. And if we don't have the capacity to think deeply, then he can think for us. That's all right. To some extent. Little bit we still we can use that is using your intelligence also. Hmm? Point is anyway, Nishta requires Karmana Manasagira that all these things are engaged. The body, the mind, intelligence also in Krishna's service. And what did Jiva Goswami say? Jivan Mukta, so you should say. That person is liberated. Therefore, Nishta is also Mahadavagani, Baba Mahadavagani, end of material existence. Still, there may be something more to come. But it's, for the most part, really retired. And Nishta is, is about these four things. Recognizing the greatness of Nam, this great dispensation. How unfortunate I am that I have no attraction. What to do? I must become humble then. And how humble, he says. More humble than a blade of grass. So it is said, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has explained this very nicely. He said, the blade of grass, of course, is has a material ego. But... His ego doesn't uh, resist a good thing if it comes his way. Or if anybody comes to step on the grass, it simply bends over. 
Sometimes it's said, more, uh, humble than a straw in the street. So the, the straw will blow with the, whatever wind comes. But our position is, if a favorable wind comes, we resist it. This is the, uh, our ego, we also are human beings, we have intelligence. You see, this is a big problem. That's why you really have to engage it in Krishna's service, otherwise it will, it will be the, your, uh, it will finish you. Intelligence must be harnessed by Krishna consciousness. To the extent that we apply ourselves in practice, to the point that we get some experience that, 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 that we're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to leave this position. We know this is, I'm in a good position here. I cannot budge from this. Otherwise, intelligence is a very dangerous thing. It is said that uh, Prabhupada once, once, there's a famous zoo in San Diego in Southern California. It's world famous. So when Prabhupada went there, once the devotees wanted to take him to the zoo. So Prabhupada went on a walk to the zoo. And after the walk, he said, so what is the conclusion? Everybody thought, well, we just went to the zoo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> What is the conclusion? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Prabhupada said, you saw the lion in the cage. We have the king of beasts. So what is the conclusion? He said, well, intelligence is more powerful than physical strength. Because by intelligence, that lion is in the cage. So intelligence is very powerful. So as much as a lion's physical strength is awesome and potentially very uh, disconcerting and dangerous, so then we'll just speak of human intelligence, how dangerous it can be with regard to our life, which is life of a soul. It can be very dangerous, intelligence. It will want to take the spiritual and turn it into something mundane. Intelligence wants to bring things within its grip. Krishna is uh, not... Um, because the soul is superior to intellect, and Krishna, what to speak of Krishna, they don't answer to intellect. This is a basic premise. If we insist that they must answer to intellect entirely... That's folly. So best thing anyway is to use our intellect in Krishna's service and to make the intelligent decision that intellect has its limitations for knowing. If there's perfect knowledge, which everybody seems to think there is, even those who say they don't think there is, they continue to look for it. In other words, everyone wants to be, wants to be perfectly happy. In order to be perfectly happy, you have to have perfect knowledge. Some people say perfect knowledge doesn't exist. But even those people look for it. Hmm? So who's crazy? Us or them? We say it exists. We've developed a whole system for finding it. And what is that system? This is the system with folded hands. This is intelligent. If there's perfect knowledge, it must be venerable, worshipable by me, who am steeped in imperfection. So I... Venerate that. Deva Siddhimahi. Barinyam. I, 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 I offer regard to that. Perfect knowledge. Then, of its own volition, 
it may be find it find it feel sympathetic towards me. Same idea is given here. With humility, like that of the straw on the street. We have intelligence, so while the straw may be blown by the wind, some favorable wind comes and we turn it into something unfavorable. Why should I do that? We resist that. What could be more favorable than the winds of Krishna consciousness coming to us? What a favorable opportunity has come our way. But still, we, we have some resistance. So, we should be humble, Bhaktivinoda says, more so than the blade of grass, more so than the straw on the street. This is our position. So, it's very practical. This is the reality, you see. We think, oh, how can I be humble? That's a difficult thing. This is reality. If we understand our position, we see we have nowhere, nowhere to turn but to humble ourselves. There's no alternative. It's the only honest thing to do. Krishna Nam has come, so kind. I have resistance to that. No attraction. I have to take advantage of that. I become humble. And tolerant is the second thing. Comparison is given to a tree. Like a tree. If you chop down the tree, what does it do? Provide shade so that you can continue the chopping. No resistance. This is tolerance and this is compassion also. Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains tolerance. Mahaprabhu was speaking of as compassion towards others. These things, of course, have to be understood in a dynamic way. Humility, for example. Humble before Nam, before this divine dispensation, before God, not before crazy people. Our only business is to please Krishna. That's all. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Sridhar Maharaj commenting on this verse, has said that he gave the example of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He accepted the upadi of an acharya, taking some position for Krishna. So he applied this concept of humility relative to his acceptance of that position. When he was at Radhakund on Brajmandal Parikram with many devotees, one fellow came and said, uh, Smarta Brahman, I believe, and he said, that uh, your leader is Raghunath Das Goswami, and he was not a Brahman. And so, um, what did he say? He said that we can offer benediction to Das Goswami. Yes, our position is that we can offer a benediction to your leader, Raghunath Das Goswami, therefore how you should regard us. So this is a great offense to Raghunath Das Goswami. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitaka then began fasting, and all of his party began fasting. That's a huge statement, of course, to fast. And um, afterwards the fellow apologized and, 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 and so forth. And Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur commented that if I had been doing nirjan bhajan only, solitary bhajan, then I would have just ignored the fool. But because I've accepted the position of an acharya representing Raghunath Das Goswami, representing my guru and so forth. Then I had to uh, um, correct that. And this is a dynamic expression of humility. Relative to our position, in other words, we will express this humility. 
if Guru says, now you must be the leader, then you may have to sit in a higher seat. That would be humility. You may have to point out, this is wrong, this is wrong, complain about this and that. But not for your own prestige, but for representing the, the teaching, the mission, and so forth. So dynamic idea of humility, tolerance. What does the Gita say about tolerance? It says we should do it. Tam Bharata. It says the things that um, we find difficult to tolerate are just in the mind. That's all. Suffering is all in the mind. You might say, yeah, but... <laughs> but it is, actually. It's all in your mind. Why is that? Because what is suffering for one person is happiness for another. So where is it suffering? Only from your perspective. But objectively speaking, you cannot say that it is suffering. There's no such thing as universal suffering. It's all from... One person is dying. In Audaya, sometimes we have big vultures fly over. We are fairly high, and so they fly over. Big vultures. Something is dying. And vultures are saying, ah, there's a party. Come on. There's a party over on this slope over here. What is seen as one to be the most, oh, disconcerting. Another is thinking it is a festival. This is very practical. You have to think about that. Then you can stop suffering. <laughs> it's all in mind. Krishna is not cruel. There is no real suffering. The soul doesn't suffer. Really self-realization and the method by which we can achieve that is that Mahaprabhu is explaining it is a solution. We've talked about it a little bit this morning, a comprehensive solution to all the troubles of life. So what would we tolerate? Just a state of mind, that's all. And what are the virtues, what are the fruits, what are the fruit of tolerance? What does Krishna say? The fruit of tolerance is what? Liberation. Yes, what does he say in the Gita? Samadukha sukham dhiram samritatvaya kalpate nectar you can live taste nectar forever immortality this is the result of of tolerance and tolerance should reach the pitch in Gaudiya Vaishnavism of what that that which I first had to tolerate what Mahaprabhu was saying here, it reaches this 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 height, I I come to embrace it. I see it as favorable even. The tree is standing, someone is cutting the tree down, the tree is offering shade. That means people are giving me trouble and I'm facilitating them. Yes, go on, continue. Thank you. Can I assist you in any way? <laughs> it's the opposite of how we function. It means, I see, these people are coming, they're not my enemies. The enemy's inside. I've sowed some seed, the fruit is coming now. I've taken from the environment, 
how the environment is coming to take back from me. I've stopped taking from the environment, but I took before, so some reaction is coming. And someone is the agent through which that reaction is coming, and let it come and be finished. And I will stand here firmly and chant Krishna Nam in Nam Sankirtan. And such strength will come from this, that not only I be able to tolerate, but Tate nukampam susamikshamana bunjani vatmakvitam vipakam hridvag vapubir hridam namaste jiveta yomuktipade sadaya bhak. Sridhar this Bhagavatam verse about tolerance. He differentiated between the tolerance of the Gita and the standard of tolerance of the Bhagavatam. The tolerance of the Gita this is our beginning stage. We tolerate. When we come to the uh, life of the soul in Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita is for like spiritually, spiritual intelligence guided life. And Bhagavatam is the life of the soul. So what is the tolerance in the Bhagavatam? He said, paraphrasing this verse poetically that I just quoted, the environment is friendly. So that which appears to be unfavorable, I see it as favorable. It's helping me. It's retiring my past. I offer my pranam to you. Thank you for giving me trouble, sir. This kind of tolerance Mahaprabhu was talking about. See, this is Jiveta Yomukti Again, we are at this stage, we are coming to Mukti. Baba Mahadavagani. Two things. Of course, standards can be very high for this. We have to start somewhere. That's apparent. We have to become humble. We should tolerate. See how much knowledge is contained in this whole idea of Sankirtan. It seems like a simple thing, just chanting, but so much wisdom is there, practical wisdom. So these two things, this is, this is the standard of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I'm telling you, you have to concentrate on this verse if you want to make progress. This is the key verse of Shikshastakam that will turn your life from, from just kind of, well, like Krishangi liked to say, I was, it was a hobby. Krishna consciousness was a hobby. Now I met my guru. Now he's forcing me to become humble by his <laughs> So it's not a hobby anymore. Now it's becoming a life. And it's not bad, actually. It's pretty good. <laughs> this is the key verse here. You want to spread Krishna consciousness? You apply yourself to this verse. People will run after you. They will run after you. They will worship you. Everybody wants to get the attention of others. Of someone, at least. <laughs> someone will think I'm nice. Someone will like me. Someone will admire me. The whole world will admire you. If you follow this simple formula of Mahaprabhu, cultivate this humility. Tolerance. You will be like a pillar. People will want, want your company. So, so admirable. You see, this so much goes against the grain of material existence. And material existence is what repels jivas from one another. What creates difference uh, and and uh, <coughs> and all the things that we have to tolerate. So we should really concentrate on this verse. It 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 it, it demands that we change our way of thinking. 
tolerance, humility, tolerance, and the other two things, offering respect to others, which is how to get rid of what? The desire to be respected. This is the fourth thing. Amanida manadena. Expect no honor for yourself. We talked about this this morning. That according to Hari Bhakti Bilas, Pratishta, the desire for self-aggrandizement, is the source of all anarthas. This is so. If you can get rid of this, you see, all anarthas will go away. Pratishta, the desire to have some, to be recognized. Krishna should be recognized. When I was a young man, before I joined Prabhupada's mission, I took a vow of silence because in the circle of friends that I moved in, uh, and it was, I assumed that it was universally so, that everyone was always speaking, but really they just wanted to be heard more than to listen. Everybody wanted to make themselves heard, I thought. And none of us really have anything comprehensive to say, conclusive, I thought, as far as the really what life's about and what is the solution. Everybody has some half-cocked opinion and so forth. And so I thought, I'm better to be silent. So I took a vow of silence. And I read that incense pack, you know, I told you that the chant and beat, your life will be sublime. I used to chant in my mind, Hare Krishna mantra, always, until I met uh, Prabhupada. Then I began to talk again. <laughs> Something like that about Krishna. So, put Krishna in the center. To have no, want no honor for oneself. It's so, it's so obvious that I should want no honor for myself if I know how honorable Krishna is, how honorable Mahaprabhu is, what he has given, such an honorable, noble thing. All attention should be given to this. In one place, Prabhupada Saraswati has written, he had such a sense of what is the contribution of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, and who cares that Varaha has come and lifted the earth with his snout? You know, the Raha avatar? Hmm. This avatar has done that, and that avatar has done this. Who cares? This, can, this practically can be retired. This is old news. What is the significance of that compared to the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and what that means for the world? If we understand this, then we, this would be our preoccupation to broadcast this, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to give. Such a valuable thing. So this way, by, in a general sense, also he says, you can get rid of this desire for self-aggrandizement, the root of all unwanted things, hmm? by showing honor to others. And we show honor to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by, in a dynamic way by showing honor to others, because we, we do that by recognizing and appropriate to their situation. We honor the Jeev, Jeevadai. What did Bhakti Vinod Thakur say? Jeevadai Krishnanam Sarvodharma Sar. The essence of all Dharma is two things. 
Krishna Nam, sing Krishna Nam, that one we know. What is the other one? Jivadoi, to show kindness to jivas. We heard also this morning that one of the anarthas, that one aspect of weakness of heart, is um, to not respect other living beings. No, right? one aspect of aparad, he said. Aparadu Krishna, Aparadu Krishna, Aparadu Krishna's devotees, Aparadu ordinary, other living beings. Show kindness. Of course, they have to be in a dynamic way that we'll do that. We don't let the dog come into the into the uh, altar chambers because we want to be kind to him. But we'll be kind nonetheless. To show respect to all living beings, even insignificant living beings. Sometimes in Krishna's service, we have to deal with them in a dynamic way, apply this again in a dynamic way. But this principle, show respect to others, that will help us to become free from the desire to get respect for ourselves. And by putting these four things in place, what does Mahaprabhu say? Trinada pisunichana, torora pisahistuna, amani namanadena. What is the last line? Who knows? Sing it. Kirtaniya sadahari. That means sada, means always. This is nishta. Now your bhajan is fixed. Now you don't have the problem before. You had a problem that you have no attraction for Krishna. Things are getting in the way. Now those things are removed. Now we were taking Krishna Nam as medicine, even though we had no taste for that. By our intellect, we understood it was good for us. Anyway, now, because we've applied ourselves in terms of our intellect to take Krishna Nam in the way in which Mahaprabhu was suggested by embracing these four principles, we're actually feeling not, we're not feeling taste for Krishna Nam. Intermittent, a little bit, but what we're feeling is what? Medicine is working. The disease is going away. The impediments are going away. I'm feeling freedom to be able to chant now more, with more attention. And so I will get some result from that. Mostly it is a negative result, but it's encouraging. You take medicine, and if you don't get any result, then you think, well, I can, I will take it. You start to feel the result. Yeah, this is, hey, this is working. This is nishta. So one is encouraged by that negative result, removal of the negative, to take up the practice now without, with, uh, without any, um, without allowing anything to get in my way. And this kind of chanting, this kind of application of oneself in Krishna Bhakti. One is giving his heart now. He's given his intelligence, his body, his mind, his intelligence now. And the result of this will be what? That the disease will be cured. And when the disease is cured, then some hunger is there for, for food. And now Krishna Nam, which was the medicine, will become the food that you live on. This is the next stage, coming in the next verse. So we'll discuss that 
actually tomorrow evening because tomorrow is an auspicious uh, disappearance day of Pujapad Bhakti Rakshidharid Vasami Mahar. So in the morning, placing our class on Shikshastakam, we'll talk about uh, the contribution to Sridhar Maharaj to our Sampradaya and to the world. We'll have a big feast, as big as we can cook. Hmm? And kirtan and celebrate. And in the evening we talk about Ruchi Bhakti as per Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Shikshastaka. Any question? Yes. I'm not sure if I quite understood the thing that you said about suffering, that there's no objective suffering. Because I was thinking about wars and like horrible acts of violence that people do to each other that no living being would certainly want to happen to themselves or do you mean that that suffering might give them a chance to learn something about the nature of the material world or Well actually what I mean is that um, you have to be very philosophical but human vantage point is not the only vantage point if we are to look only from the human vantage point, then there will be some objective, universal suffering. Of course, Hitler didn't think too much about the genocide of, that he was involved in in uh, World War II. He was a human being. Well, I don't know how human he was, but um, to have you know, dealt with the uh, Jewish people and Polish people and so forth, and other people... <laughs> like he did, but um, beyond the human perspective, which is only one perspective on what's taking place, worms like dead bodies, so they're feasting on all those dead bodies from their point of view, from the worm's point of view, all that dying is is good. So to from a, to go out you gotta go outside of the human mind to see what I'm what I'm talking about. And of course Krishna consciousness is about going outside beyond the limits of the human perspective and looking at the world. And so if we look from that point of view, we should be able to always find some instance in which while everyone is looking at something as suffering, someone else is looking at it as happiness. So it's a point of view, it's a vantage point, suffering. Of course, now we live largely in our human uh, frame of mind, so uh, it's difficult for us to... Um, we have to speak like this philosophically to help us transcend um, material existence and the sense of suffering and identify it for what it is. But we also have to then, as long as we are still largely viewing the world from a human perspective, then we have to look at it from a human perspective. And then we will think certain things certainly are shouldn't be done and this is bad and we may speak out against it and, and so forth. But this is from a very extreme, absolute position. Do you follow? Yeah. Another question? So, we've been covering a lot of ground, isn't it? I find it very interesting. Some of you are sometimes quiet, so I don't know, but I think it's interesting and valuable. Hmm. Insights from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So try to apply it. I'm hoping that when you hear these talks, then when the time comes for chanting, it's helping you to pay attention and take it seriously. Now we'll chant, right? Time for Arctic.
चैतन्य चरितामृत की जाय गोर भक्त बिंद की जाय गोर के मानंद